Hello! Welcome back, sports fans. This is the Des 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 Sports Podcast, and I'm starting to lose it. Uh, no, I'm not starting to lose it. I'm, I'm still talking. We're still doing our NFL Week 3 review. Um, I'm still going over the games that I lost and won. This time I'm going to try to make a better effort at keeping track as we go through the games. Uh, just so you know, though, from the picks this week, I went 8-7. and seven. If you count the Thursday night game, I went 8-8. Eight and eight. So if you want to know the full total, sorry I kept it for you this long. I went 8-8. Eight and eight. It's pretty middle of the road. I feel like I'm a network TV analyst getting half of the games wrong. Uh, it's humbling. But, you know, I never, I, n- I never thought I was going to get all of them right. I make my best guess. And, of course, football's a human game, and I got a lot wrong. And, just like football is a human game, you know, carrying on that, that theme, there's a lot of performances we want to talk about, good and bad, that still have not yet been talked about. We're going to start today's show, or today's show. Uh, we're going to start this uh, show, the part two, episode five of the Desda Sports Podcast with the uh, game that happened between the Cardinal and the Lions. I said the Cardinal and not the Cardinals. Do you actually know that the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they were in the, the colors of their uniforms did not originate from the name of the team. Actually, way back when, they bought these uniforms from... I think it was from some school in Chicago and they were red uniforms, but they were old and faded, the ones they bought for the team. And so people were like, Oh, look at these shabby maroon uniforms. And the owner was like, they're not maroon. Excuse me. They're Cardinal red. And then that inspired the name for the Cardinals before then they were not called the Cardinals. And so that is why they're called the Arizona Cardinals. Interesting stuff. It's not quite like Stanford. Stanford was the Stanford, I think, Indians at first, and then they changed their name to the Cardinal afterwards. But they're named the Cardinal, like the red, the color, not the Cardinals. The uh, football team is named the Cardinals. They're after the bird. But they're named that because their uniforms were Cardinal red. Interesting little uh, factoid. But let's get into the analysis of the game. You're not here for the factoids, um, even though I, I'm full of fa- fun facts. But I feel like every time you say you have a fun fact, it's not really that fun. It's more of just like, all right, why did you say that? Why did you waste a minute and a half talking about why the Cardinals are called the Cardinals? Somebody out there will like it. Trust me. If it's not you, I'm sorry. But we're getting right into the game right now. So you don't have to, with, with, no further, uh, uh, with no further waiting, no further adieu. Oh, no. I have to. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I have to mute something real quick. Uh, I didn't think I was going to have to do this tonight, but uh, it's it's after 12. It's far after 12, and I'm going to have to mute a bunch of uh, my friends online. They are talking up a storm right now on our Discord page, so I'm so sorry about that. I probably should have paused the show, but I was just I was in I was in fire uh, firefighting mode right there. Let's get into the Cardinal game. All right. I got a lot to talk about here. We got the football playing cards uh, with Kyler Murray at the helm. He went 23 of 35 with 270 yards. He had two passing touchdowns, three interceptions. Now that is, I mean, I, you know, 
I'm the one who always harps on the on the turnovers. Turnovers kill you. It's the same thing in basketball. You got like 18 turnovers, you gave yourself a poor chance to win because you're giving the other team free possessions. I hate turnovers because it, it really is. It, you're giving the other team a free possession to go and beat you. And so, you know, the the every time you can reduce your turnovers, I think would be a net positive. Even if you don't win the game, if you can reduce it, it's a positive. Um, Kyler Murray did run for 29 yards, and he had a rushing touchdown, uh, in addition to his two passing touchdowns, which was good, but not good enough as they fell to the Lions 26-23. to uh, The Lions kicked a game-winning field goal with zeros on the clock, uh, and they win their first game of the season. They snap an 11-game losing streak. That's pretty nuts, going back to last season. 11 games they lost in a row. They finally snapped it with a win. Um, what I said last time was that I wanted to know if the Lions could play a full game. I wanted to know if they could play a full quality game. They weren't just going to break down and lose their lead and, and lose the game. They weren't just going to stop playing for most of the third quarter and then all of a sudden wake up and be like, oh, shoot, we're down by 40. They weren't ever down by 40. They were down by uh, 20. But you understand what I mean. And they did. They did. Uh, now, I said this earlier in part one, you know, no, I'm sure they're not listening to this podcast, but almost as if they heard what I, what I said, almost as if they knew and they had the same question and that they were going to go fix that. They were like mad that they couldn't play a full game. Uh, they put together a really nice full game. They had the three uh, turnovers. Obviously good when you're giving yourself extra possessions. However, Matthew Stafford did not turn the ball over, which was huge. He turned the ball over. Uh, against the Bears in a really bad place in that game when you know they were leading, they were in the fourth quarter. He doesn't need to try to force it, and he did, and and it got picked. Uh, and it led it, it led to why the Bears were able to beat them. But not today. He had zero picks, two passing touchdowns, 270 yards on 22 of 31 passing. That's a good stat line from Matt Stafford. Adrian Peterson had 75 yards rushing, also had 10 yards receiving. That's pretty good. I mean, that's for Adrian Peterson, you know, he, he doesn't get a lot of respect nowadays, but you know, he, that's, that's good yardage coming from Adrian Peterson. They're probably not paying him much. I bet it's the vet minimum. Hey man, that's a positive in my case. That's a positive in my book. Kenny Galladay, he caught, uh, six passes for 57 yards and he had a receiving touchdown. I think the Lions played really well this game. They had like a nice full game where they played well. And they, they plain and simple. I mean, throughout the whole game, they were scoring points. They were keeping up with the other team. They didn't get out to a huge lead and then just forget how to play football because they can't protect a lead for their lives. They didn't get blown out early. They kept with the Cardinals. I mean, it was a good game. They played a great game. What else can I say? It was a very quality win, I think, for the Lions. Very quality win. Um... The Cardinals, on the other hand, did not have that great of a game. Kenyon Drake had a pretty good game. He rushed for 73 yards, basically what Adrian Peterson rushed for, um, and he did it on four less rushes. DeAndre Hopkins had an amazing game, 10 receptions, 137 yards, but zero touchdowns. I think it was, um, I think it was a point that the Lions didn't want DeAndre Hopkins to have a touchdown. So when they were in the red zone, they made sure that DeAndre Hopkins was covered because... He didn't go to DeAndre Hopkins. He went to Andy Isabella, interestingly enough. Four receptions, 47 yards, two receiving touchdowns for Andy Isabella. He looked really good. 
And then when I was watching the highlights, one of the announcers said that he's the jack of all trades player. He does everything for the cards. I guess. I mean, he didn't have any rushes in that game. So it's kind of weird why he's the jack of all trades player when he doesn't really like do rushes. And I don't think he's the return man for them either. He's really just a nice shifty wide receiver that's able to get open more than you would think he would be able to. He's a really good route runner. So I don't know. I'm going to check the I'm going to check stats again for you and just make sure that I'm right about this, but I remember them saying that and I was a little confused cuz I was just assuming he would have more stats, but he he had one rush for negative 6 yards. I wasn't even going to list it because you know, his two touchdowns were the real big part of his game, but he did have a rush where they gave it to him and he, it was just there was no way. There was nothing he could do. You know, of course he was going to lose yardage. Um, as far as kick returning, he doesn't do kick returns for them. Chase Edmonds did most of their kick returns, and he had 90 yards on four kick returns. That's really good. Maybe Chase Edmonds is their jack-of-all-trades. <laughs> excuse me. That just came over me. Uh, I wish I could sound edit better. I would edit that out. But this is a this is the early days in the Des Des Sports podcast. I understand this is going to be a bad podcast to listen to, um, objectively. No, I'm not even going to say that. This is a great podcast. It's just that I have mistakes that that what you might be used to doesn't happen on those podcasts. I'm sorry. I'm human. I cough. I sneeze. But I try to keep it at a minimum when I'm doing the podcast. So please uh, excuse me for that. Um, I want to keep talking about this game for just a moment, though. I think that the Cardinals going into this, I thought they had a really great defense, and I thought they had a really great team. But... They, I, I'm wondering how good the Lions are because I still think the Cardinals have a good team. I still think that the Cardinals can give the Seahawks a run for their money in the games they play against them. I really do. I'm not sure if they'll win them, but I do think they'll give them a run for their money. Um, the Lions, it is, it is good to point out, the Lions did have 10 points off turnovers. So, yeah, you know, that game was decided by three points, but you know, if, if the th- interceptions don't happen... Maybe it's an easier game to win, you know, even if you punt all three times. At least they have to go the length of the field, you know. They don't get a short field from the turnover. Um, I'm just going to expect Murray. He needs to bounce back. In the next game they play, I need Murray to, to have a bounce back week where he throws for, like, two or three touchdowns and limits the pick to one at most. They're playing the Carolina Panthers. They have a bad secondary. They should be able to do that. I mean, Justin Herbert, a rookie, threw 330 yards. Didn't get a a lot of touchdowns, but he did throw for a lot of yards. So, as far as I'm concerned, Kyler Murray needs a bounce-back game against the Panthers. He needs to have, like, a nice passing game with a few touchdowns passing and, like, one or less interceptions. I want to see that from him. Um, But I also want to see him make better decisions. There is a point in this game where... There was about four minutes left, and they were on the 50. It was third and nine. The Cardinals had the ball. This was the last they would touch the ball, by the way. Um, And on the third and nine, they hike the ball, and he sort of dances in the pocket for a bit, and then he finds, you know, where he wants to go with the ball, and he just launches this shot play, this big, long bomb. And there were two guys near him. The ball wasn't necessarily accurate. It didn't go towards the players. It kind of landed maybe five yards to the left of where the clump of players were. 
So he, he didn't get it. I was wondering if that was the play call from all along that he was supposed to go long, or maybe he had nothing underneath, so he just decided to put one up and see if it was, his receiver made a great play. But he obviously, I don't think, did that because it wasn't a very accurate pass. Either he missed really badly, or he put it up in an area next to a receiver that he knew that the defensive backs weren't going to be able to pick. And that's what I think really happened. But it's just weird. Like, why would you choose that? On a third and nine? You're, the game is tied, by the way, 23-23. There's no guarantee you're getting the ball back. And you put up some shot play on third and nine from the 50? Why don't you try to just get the first down there? I mean, you know, you get 10 yards, you get 15 yards, and guess what? If you get 15 yards, you're on the 35, you're in long field goal range, baby. You get 20 yards on there, or you get the first down with 10 yards and you get another 10 yards, you're in easy field goal range, baby. You can win this game. You don't ever have to give this ball back until after the two-minute warning. You start running some clock yourself. You kick the field goal. You give it to the Lions with maybe a minute and a half or less. And you say, okay, go go do a two-minute drill and, and, and score a touchdown on us. We dare you. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. So I think it was kind of odd play calling. Um, but I'm not going to blame it all on the coach because I think I think he just made the wrong read. I think he went for the long ball, trying to get it all at once to really put him away instead of making the smarter, more reserved decision of just getting the first down and living to see another few downs. But I didn't like the throw, personally. We're moving on. Let's go to the... Uh, you. We've all heard of snakes on the plane, guys. But on Sunday... There were horses on the plane, and they were causing mayhem. What game is that? It's the Colts versus the Jets. The Indy Equestrians, they came in with their quarterback, Philip. Uh, <laughs> Philip, float me down the river, I suppose. Um, Rivers, he threw 17 of 21. I'm getting caught up on these puns. I'm trying to make them, like, obvious, and I think that's really hurting... The, the the comedy in the show. Um, I'm going to move past it. Uh, we've got Philip Rivers, of course, 17 of 21. Really good stat line there. Um, you like to see you like to see the good stats from Philip Rivers, of course. He had no interceptions, which is great, because I kind of think that Philip Rivers is one of those quarterbacks that, you know, when it gets down to it, he always seems to just make a, a bad mistake at the end of the game. He didn't do that this game. It was nice. It was kind of a boring game, and I think that talks to like how good he played because there was never really any doubt, and he always made smart decisions. There wasn't a lot of like shot plays. There weren't a lot of like, you know, huge third and long conversions or anything that that really made you sweat. Um, he just made good throws. He kind of looked like what people say Tom Brady is, even though Tom Brady has a better arm than people want to give him credit for. Tom Brady can throw the deep ball, but people always say he's a dink and dunk kind of quarterback. But Philip Rivers kind of felt more like a dink and dunk quarterback, uh, but he didn't need to be any better than that. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to downplay Philip Rivers. All I'm saying is he wasn't like super impressive, but he did everything correct. And that's good enough to get the win. And that's good enough to get a high praise from me on the Des Des Sports Podcast. Uh, 217 yards and a passing touchdown to go with the 17 of 21 passing. Very good game from him. Very good game. Very low, little mistakes. And the Jets were really not in this game. They were in this game for a little amount of time. Jonathan Taylor, the running back for Indy, he had 13 rushes, for 59 yards. He also had uh, a rushing touchdown. 
good for Jonathan Taylor. He looks like he's going to be the back there in uh, in Indy from here on out. He's going to take all the the main brunt of the rushes. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, he's one of the receivers there. I can you name a receiver on the Colts that isn't T.Y. Hilton? Because I'm having trouble doing it. I mean, I wrote down Mo Ali Cox, so I know Mo Ali Cox is one of them, but. Man, that saying that name makes me feel a little conflicted. Like this is supposed to be a clean podcast, you know. Um, but that's his real name. Look it up. M O A L I E dash C O X. Mo Ali Cox. Bring it on. Um, yeah, but the the receivers over in India. I, this, name another receiver other than Mo Ali Cox and um, T Y Hilton. Like, who even are they? I'm going to look up their roster right now. Um, let me go to the Colts. Oops. Let me go to the Colts. Okay, misclicked. Uh, let's go to their roster real quick. And let's look at their wide receiving group that Phillip Rivers is going to be throwing to. Uh, do we want to start with tight ends? Oh, Mo Ali Cox is a tight end. He's not even a wide receiver. Go figure. Trey Burton's on the, on the roster, so is Jack Doyle. Other than that, they've got four other ones that I don't know by name. Um... As far as wide receiver goes, they have Paris Campbell, uh, Ashton Dolan, DeMichael Harris, Doris Fountain, T.Y. Hilton, of course, Marcus Johnson, Desmond Patman, Zach Pascal, and Michael Pittman. Some of those names ring a, a small, tiny, faint bell for me, but everybody except for T.Y. Hilton. I mean, this is the wide receiving group over here in Indy. I don't know. Like maybe Philip Rivers is a god. You know, he's just doing the most with the le- the, the the least he has. Not bad. I mean, honestly, he dismantled the Jets. The Jets kind of dismantled themselves, but he kept them dismantled the entire game with this receiving group. That is that I mean, that's a definite win in my book. I mean, I mean, I guess I'll have to watch out. Maybe one of them is a star, but as it stands right now, you know, going through the receiving list uh, for the for the Colts over here, T.Y. Hilton had 52 yards with three receptions. Zach Pascal had two receptions for 34. Um, Fountain, I forgot his first name already. I'm so sorry. Mr. Fountain had 23 yards on two um, receptions. They had some of their running backs get in on the uh, on the reception party, and then Michael Pittman had 26 yards, and Mo Ali Cox had 50 in a touchdown. Philip Rivers spreads the ball out. You know, he's using receivers that I, I've never heard of before. I don't know if they're rookies. I don't know if they're undrafted. I don't know where they came from. But more, you know, good on him. I hope Philip Rivers succeeds. I hope this receiving group ends up shocking people. And by next year, we never we never misread Mr. Fountain's name. Doris Fountain. Doris Fountain. My new player to watch. Pick him up in uh, fantasy. Tell me how he does. The Junkyard Jets, though, not very good. They belong in the junkyard. Sam Darnold, he went 17 of 29, 168 yards passing, one passing touchdown, three interceptions, uh, and he also had five rushes for 20 yards. Now, the Indy defense really deserves praise for this, but there were two of those interceptions were pick sixes. Xavier Rhodes, who is no longer on the Minnesota Vikings, I somehow overlooked that. He's now on the Minnesota, or sorry, Indianapolis Colts. Xavier Rhodes had a pick six, and so did TJ Carey. Uh, on that defense, which uh, a pick six is really like a, a, a very good defensive stat because 
even after the pick happens, the defense has to kind of like block well and, and the returner has to give a good effort and you can get into that touchdown. So I kind of like that they had two. It shows that the defense, you know, they're blocking oh, all right, you know, for the returns there. Um, good defensive plays there. They also had another interception that was in the red zone, actually. It was really deflating when he threw it because uh, they were going to go in and score. It was 17-7. to or maybe, yeah, yeah 17 to 7, and they were going to go into score, and then all of a sudden they throw that pick, and it's just so deflating. They were like, oh, man. And I think the Colts went down and they missed a field goal. I think that's what happened with that drive. They, oh, they would have gotten points on that, but, but they couldn't, um, which let, left them with only 14 points on turnovers, which even if you take those 14 points away, they still destroyed them. It was, it was 36 to 10, so you take 14 points away from 36. And that's 22 to 10. That's still a blowout. This is the blowout corner for show. Blowout corner for the Jets again. Was this the third straight week? No. Second straight week because I didn't do week one. That's right. They would have been in the blowout corner in week one, though. So it is kind of like three straight weeks. Frank Gore had 57 yards rushing. And Braxton Berrios had a touchdown in 64 yards. There's not much going on over there in, in New York. The New York Jets are dismal. They're going to be dismal for the whole year, I think. Even looking at who caught passes on Sunday... Uh, three of them running backs. Uh, the other three, two wide receivers and a tight end that were listed on their stat sheet for receiving. Frank Gore had one catch, five yards. Lawrence Kager had two receptions for 35 yards. And then LaMichael Perrine, another running back, he had uh, two receptions for negative one yard. And then you had Braxton Berrios with 64 yards and four receptions. And you had... Uh, who is this? Uh, Christopher Herndone. He's a tight end over there. He had uh, two catches, or sorry, three catches for 21 yards. I mean, listen to those names he's throwing to. I don't know. I know for sure that uh, Chris Hogan is now on the Jets, but I don't know if he played in this game. I have to be completely honest with you. I'm going to go read down their, their uh, passing targets too, because I think this is interesting to know. Who do they have on that team that Darnold is passing to? Maybe this is why they're so bad. They've got Braxton Berrios, Lawrence Kager, Jamison Crowder. They Jamison Crowder? Interesting. Uh, Daniel Brown. Josh Doxson. Really? He used to be in uh, Washington. They have Chris Hogan. Josh Malone. Not sure about him. Denzel Mims. I've heard Mims before. He's he's a capable wide receiver. They have DJ Montgomery. Dante Moncrief. They have Dante Moncrief. Why is he not? Is he Is he injured? He might be injured. But Moncrief used to be on the Indianapolis Colts. Brashad Perriman. I've heard his name before. Jaleel Scott, Jeff Smith. So there's there's names here that I know, but they're just not getting playing time. They must be injured. I, I have to think. They have to be injured. I guess I don't know enough to, to say for sure, but like Dante Moncrief. What's going on with Dante Moncrief? Is he injured? Uh, I don't know. I can't find it online at the site I'm looking on. Maybe I can just Google it for you guys right now. Uh, is Dante Moncrief injured? The Jets placed Moncrief undisclosed on the practice squad injured list. He's on the practice squad? Oh, my God. You got to you gotta call him up. They signed fellow whiteout Jaleel Scott to the practice squad in a corresponding move. Oh. The nature and severity of Dante Moncrief's injury remains undisclosed. That's kind of weird. That's shady. That's shady. I hope he's okay, though. Um, let's move on. I think I've had enough time talking about the Jets. 
We'll talk about the Eagles and the Bengals. This was such a weird game. And, of course, it ended like a, like all weird games end. No, I'm kidding. It ended uh, in, in fitting fashion, I think, uh, with a tie. Because it, that's kind of what, what this year is for both of these teams. It was exactly this game. Um, I'm going to start calling the Eagles the Pigeons. Because, honestly, they aren't playing like Eagles. They're playing like Pigeons. I mean, you know. They're taking what they can get. It doesn't look good. It looks very sloppy. Altogether, uh, I'd probably be more afraid of the Eagles because I'm afraid I'm going to catch their disease rather than they're going to attack me, which is kind of how I feel about pigeons. I feel like I'm going to catch a disease from them more than I'm afraid that they're going to actually attack me and hurt me. But I'm sure that a pigeon can do much more damage to you than you think. Would I know how to fight a pigeon? Probably not. Probably peck me a lot, and all I could really do is flail. And would it leave me alone? Would it be like, whoa, that guy's crazy. Or would it just be like, no, I'm doubling down, dude. I don't I don't mess around. Who knows? But the Eagles don't do that. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, the Philadelphia Pigeons, starring uh, Carson Wentz as their quarterback. Um, <sighs> disappointing season. Disappointing game. They played a bad Cincinnati team with a budding star in Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is pretty much the best player on that team. And other than maybe Tyler Boyd, the rest of that team is pretty eh. Joe Mixon, I guess, is okay. He rushed for 50 yards. 49 to be exact uh, for the sticklers out there. T. Higgins caught 40 yards worth of passes. He had two touchdowns, too. Big touchdowns uh, because without them, they would have lost. Tyler Boyd had 125 yards receiving. Big time game for Tyler Boyd. He's definitely the number one receiver from Joe Burrow. So that, that's good for Boyd. His stock's going up. Get him in fantasy. He catches, like, everything from Burrow. And Burrow loves that guy. And, of course, Joe Burrow. Love this dude. He's going to be great. 31 of 44, 312 yards, two passing touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think Joe Burrow would have won this game. I predicted him to win this game. I was wrong, I guess, because of the tie. So that's another loss in the column. Um, although I was right about Indy winning, so that's another win in the column. And it evens out. Um... But the, he, he, his offensive line is terrible. It's really bad. I feel so bad for Joe Burrow every time he plays because he goes out there and he just he, he just gets killed every game. It's nuts. Uh, they can't protect him over there. They had eight sacks on him. Eight sacks on a rookie quarterback. And he took this wallop of a hit uh, in the, um, I don't know, first or second quarter. He was throwing this pass. He escaped the pressure. He broke the pocket. He runs. He throws. And he just gets absolutely destroyed. Nailed. This hit would have put me in a in a coma in the hospital for a, for two weeks. And this dude just takes the hit. He leaves for one play. He regathers himself. He comes back in. And he just keeps throwing dimes. Joe Burrow's a star. He's going to be really good. I mean, when you get some real talent around him, there's no way he's not going to be good. Joe Burrow's uh, already looking like a great quarterback. And I'm all for it. Better quarterbacks in the NFL lead to better games, lead to better storylines. Story it's great. But they really need to work on their O-line. And their defense is like, eh. I, I feel like when they have the lead, it's never a safe lead because their defense is always like, eh. It's it's meh. It's very so-so. I don't know how else to say it. It's good enough where Burrow can keep them in the game. But it's not good enough where I feel like they can win like like consistently. The Cincinnati Cats, they played really well. Um, I, think they, I think in this game what should have happened... Um, for what we think the Eagles are, 
I think the Eagles should have won this game. And Joe Burrow played okay, but not well enough, you know, to beat an experienced team, an experienced quarterback. That didn't happen at all. I feel like the disappointment of the Eagles, this is what their season is. Like, it's not bad enough where I can say they're, like, the worst team ever and they're trash. But every week I keep expecting them to, like, break out of the slump they're in, and they don't. They just don't play well enough down the stretch. They had two possessions in overtime, and the last possession they had on the fringe of field goal range, and they couldn't move the ball further into field goal range. It was nuts. And then they ended up moving backwards. They were still going to take a 59-yard field goal and see if they could make it, but then a false start puts them out of range. 64 yards now, and they say, whoa, 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 59? We're willing to give it a try. But you're telling me that now we got to do a 64, we're punting. They punt, there's like 12 seconds left. Cincinnati ran a running play, you know, dap everybody up and get on out of there. It's time, you know, to j- hit the plane for the next game. They tied, 23-23. Very odd to have a tie, but it always feels like this division is always on, like, tie alert. The Eagles tied, I think, with the... Oh, man, they, they tied not, not so long ago. And ties are not something you see every season. It's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to get a tie every season in fact it had been my entire life up until like maybe a few years ago that i saw my first tie i remember what game it was too the uh san francisco 49ers were playing the lot not the los angeles rams the st louis rams and the st louis rams i think at that time still had danny amendola on the roster uh so you know that kind of dates it back um and they came on in here uh, into candle, not, not was it candlestick? Yeah, it was before Levi Stadium. It was in candlestick, I think. And they came in there, and they played, I think, also to a 23-23 tie in overtime. The first time I've ever seen it. Except that one had some missed field goals and some intrigue. This one was just boring. It was just two teams who couldn't move the ball past the 50. And then when they did, they took penalties, which put them back after you know behind the 50, and they had a punt. The, the Bengals couldn't get anything going. I was really disappointed because all they needed was a field goal. And I thought, like, oh, yeah, Burrow's going to do it. He's going to lead them for a touchdown drive. He's going to do it. He never did. But that doesn't mean Burrow's not good. That just means that there's room for improvement still. There's always room for improvement. And I think if Burrow can take that next step and start leading, like, comeback drives and stuff, whew, he's going to be elite. But I think he's right now he's, he's a good quarterback. He's definitely, I think, looking a lot better than Daniel Jones looked today. Um, but he's also playing against an easier defense. So maybe I won't qualify. Uh, maybe I won't compare him to Daniel Jones just yet. But he's certainly better than uh, Mitch Trubisky. And Mitch Trubisky's in his third year. So sorry, Bears fans. But you got uh, you got Nick Foles. There's no reason to worry. Don't fret. We can all make fun of Mitchell Trubisky together now. Um, some other notables for Philly before I move on from this disappointing game. I mean, they still haven't won anything, but they're somehow only a half game out of their division lead. <laughs> Go figure. Dallas is 1-2. and two. The Giants are also... No, no, the Giants, I think, are 0-3. Um, the Washington Redskins are 1-2. and two. And then they're 0-2-1. and one. They're, like a, they're like one game out. They're a half game out because of the tie. Go figure. Um... Miles Sanders had an okay game, 95 rushing yards on 18 rushes. Greg Ward, their wide receiver, he had 72 yards and a touchdown. And Zach Ertz had 70 yards. Those are some notables. But all all in all, it was a very disappointing day. I mean, Carson Wentz had two interceptions. You can't have two interceptions. 
you're playing a you're playing a defense that's not even good and you're throwing in picks and one of them was horrible it's behind his receiver i don't know what he was expecting and he just threw a pick it was really bad i'm disappointed in carson wentz but i have realized that carson wentz if he fails at football he could always jump in and and approach disney and be like hey if we do another cars movie i have a perfect name for a car in the cars movie franchise his name is carson wentz you know how many jokes Disney can make about that? Literally, he could be a little kid named Carson, because he's a he's the son of cars. He is a car himself. He's Carson, and people will be like, "Well, where did he go?" And and he can be like, "Oh, well, I just went to the store." <laughs> well, I didn't think you'd miss me. I just I just went really quick. <laughs> okay, I'm having too much fun with this. Let's move on. Uh, the next game is. Ooh, yeah, this is a fun game to talk about. It's going to be the Patriots and the Raiders. Um, Patriots dominated the second half, but in the first half, it really didn't feel like there was one team was better than the other. It's kind of nice. It was a good old-fashioned sort of like uh, slugfest, you know? The Raiders kicked a field goal, and then the Patriots went and kicked a field goal, and then the Raiders couldn't do anything, and then the Patriots couldn't do anything, and then, you know, eventually the Patriots scored a couple times, and then the Raiders bounced back right before halftime and got a touchdown of their own. It's nice. But in the second half, not so nice. Uh, the new same old Patriots, uh, Cam Newton, 17 of 28, 162 yards, one passing touchdown, one interception. The interception was pretty bad. He didn't see the 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 defender, like, right there. And so he was on the run, and he made a throw, and it just went right to the defender. I mean, it wasn't even close. So it was just a bad, stupid interception. But um, it turns out that that was fine. Uh, because the Raiders were already moving. They were already moving the ball really well, and the running back fumbled. However, if you look at a certain angle, it looks like the running back did maintain possession. He, he regained possession after the fumble while his knee was down before the Patriots were able to rip the ball away from him. But the call stand, stood on the field that it was a fumble, and the Patriots did get the ball. And then, of course, he throws the pick. So it's almost like if the refs called it correctly the first time, then he wouldn't have had the chance to throw the pick. So it was almost like poetic justice. The Vegas got the ball back, and I think they kicked a field goal, and that was the first uh, points of the game. Josh Jacobs played well, 71 yards. He did have that one fumble loss, but it turned out to not be significant. Derek Carr went 24 of 32 for 261 yards. He had two passing touchdowns and zero picks. That's always good to see. Uh, but he did have two lost fumbles, which ended up being fairly costly. And then Hunter Renfro, he had 84 yards and a touchdown. Hunter Renfro looks really good. I think he was the perfect like receiver for the Patriots. I think he's like that kind of Edelman kind of guy. Cole Beasley kind of style of, of player where he's a little bit smaller. Um, but he's very good at what he does. He gets open. His hands are good. Um, he makes good decisions. He can like tap the toes if he needs to. I like him a lot. I liked him a lot when he was at Clemson. And I always thought, man, Hunter Renfro is going to be a good receiver in the NFL. I wonder who's going to get him. Um and here you go. The Las Vegas Raiders are using him. And I, I like it. I'm all for it. I, I hope he has a great career. Um, Sony Michelle was a big story for the Patriots, though, in this game. Why were they able to break away? Well, Sony Michelle just casually had two huge chunk runs. He ended with 117 yards uh, It's a, on nine rushes. It's a 13-yard average. It's amazing they didn't run him more than nine times. But, uh, you know, they I guess they didn't really need him. They were up by a lot towards the end of the game. 
Rex Burkhead's a big story if you like touchdowns. He had two rushing and a receiving touchdown from Cam Newton. He had 49 yards each uh, receiving and rushing. And the defense had two sacks, three forced fumbles, and a fumble return for a touchdown. Now, that wasn't um, necessarily a return. It was more of recovered a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. But this brings up another thing I wanted to talk about is the safeties. It's safeties galore right now in the NFL. And this should have been a safety too, but uh, a good play by uh, the pass rusher. Oh, man, Winovich, Chase Winovich. That guy looks like a star. How do they do it? They went from having no pass rush for, like, two years, and all of a sudden they've got, like, really nice pass rushers. I don't know. Where did they find this guy? Winovich from, from Michigan. And he's good. What can I say? He, he's definitely good. He, he's living up to expectations. He's probably exceeding them, if I had to really be honest. Um, he forces a fumble on Derek Carr, who takes a very long drop back from the six-yard line on first and ten after the Patriots were able to pin them. And then... The pressure comes in, and he's going down, but as he's going down, he loses the ball. Derek Carr, you can't lose the ball if you're Derek Carr in that moment. You really just need to hang on to it. Like, yeah, whatever. It's two points. It's not great. It is a turnover because you have to give the ball back to them again after losing two points. But, like, at least it's not seven that just got put on you, you know? He's got to hang on to that ball because at least you give your defense a chance to stop the Patriots. And the Patriots ran the ball really well, but passing-wise, they weren't really killing the Raiders. And they really, like, they were moving the ball well as in the second half, but I don't know. You give the Raiders' defense enough chances, and you think they're going to figure it out and maybe be able to come up with a stop. Maybe they stop them for a field goal. They only score five points. Yeah, it's five points. That's significant, you know, the safety and a field goal. But at least it's not seven, because that really got them down by a lot. And, and the crazy part is the score right before that, uh, the Patriots missed their extra point. Um, and so it was 29-13. to 13. That's 16 points. It's a two-possession game. And it's just kind of unfortunate that, you know, Derek Carr made that, made that mistake not to hold on to the ball. You know, because then you add another seven points onto 16, you know, now all of a sudden it's ballooned up to, what, 23 23-point lead. It's like, how do you come back from a 23-point lead in the fourth quarter? It's almost impossible. And the Patriots are not the uh, Falcons. The Patriots got it done. They definitely... Um, I mean, the Raiders did score another touchdown. They ended the game, what, 16-30? Uh, to 30, uh, Yikes. 36-37? I don't know why I can't remember this. The score is literally... I can look it up in two seconds. Uh, they ended the game... 36 to 20. So, you know, they did get another score, but it was kind of like a garbage time score, and they lost by 16. They're in the blowout corner, although they did play really well. I think while Vegas did mess up a bit, um, they played really well. They stood their ground to the Patriots for two quarters, which is better than some teams can say. And even for some of the third quarter, they were still, you know, playing them tough. Yeah, the Patriots had a, a double digit lead, you know, for a long time. But it was only like 10 points. It wasn't by much, you know. It wasn't really until the Patriots scored that touchdown that put them up six by 16, and then they got that, that fumble for a touchdown right at the goal line. That's really what ended the game, was those two back-to-back -to -back touchdowns. Without that, you know, that game's kind of close. Even, even if they just don't get the fumble touchdown, all right, let's say it's like a safety. This game ends 20-31. to 31 assuming the Patriots don't score again. 
which they probably would have just ran out the clock. Yeah, that's only an 11-point game. I know it's a lot, still probably a blowout, but it's closer. You gave yourself a better chance, you know? And if they don't if they don't give up the safety at all and they still score, then maybe they go for two and it's 21 to 29. That's a one-touchdown game. That's not bad. I'm just saying, I think, the, I think the, the Raiders are better than anyone gives them credit for. I think their defense is really, really good. And I think their offense can be good. But the problem was they went to go play the Patriots after they just destroyed a different team on offense. So the Patriots knew what they wanted to do. They knew that they couldn't let um, uh, Waller get the ball like he did. They knew that they were going to have Josh Jacobs running it hard between the tackles. So they shut down what they could. And really, Hunter Renfro was the only one to stand out as far as a pass catcher. So they did what they wanted to do. The Patriots played the Patriot way. And I think Las Vegas wasn't ready on offense for them to be able to shut down all of their weapons the way they did. Um, New England plays really good, and especially in the secondary, they minimize penalties. And that's how they always win. Um, So look out for the Patriots. They're probably the best team in their division at the moment. Uh, Moving on. We're going to talk about the Hawks escaping the cardiac cowboy comeback. The Cardiac Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 37-57. He threw a lot in that game. 472 yards, which is just not unreal. That's Madden kind of numbers right there. Three passing touchdowns, but he did have two interceptions. Not very good. And he lost a fumble, too. So three turnovers on Dak alone. Not very good. Uh, he, You know, when you're playing a good team, you can't afford to have this many turnovers and still, like, legitimately think you're going to win. And they still could have won that game. They were, what, on the 30 or something um, with a few seconds left. And they were only down by five. They lost 36 to 31, right? Yeah. Or 38 to 31. Still, they were down a touchdown. Um, You know, they were within one score. Just nuts that they even had that chance. Um, Of course, you know, the Seattle Seahawks weren't perfect either. Russ was perfect. He didn't have a fumble or an interception. He had five passing touchdowns with 315 yards, and he went 27 to 40. So Russ definitely cooked. In fact, in my notes, I have him down as Russ MVP Wilson. Um, Chris Carson got injured. I think it was kind of a weird play. It was kind of dirty. Um, the guy who tackled him did an unnecessary twist, holding his leg as if he was rolling, but he really wasn't rolling because he was he was dragging him down from behind. So I don't know why he rolled there. I think it was a little bit of a dirty move. Um, And he ended up hurting Chris Carson's knee. So we're not sure how long Chris Carson's out for. But I'll give you a better update with the preview for next week. DK Metcalf, um, he had a dumb play where he started celebrating early. He just relaxed before he was in the end zone on a big shot play. And the defender made a great play, knocked the ball out at the one-yard line, punched it through the back of the end zone. Turns out to be a touchback. And the... Dallas was able to take over and and see what they could do. They didn't end up doing much. They didn't do much until the second half when Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup just decided we're going to go off. Six receptions for Michael Gallup, 138 yards, and one touchdown. He would have had another two, but I think he dropped it. It's very close. Cedric Wilson, though, he was another one of those wide receivers that had a lot of yards, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper had 86 yards. Very good. CeeDee Lamb had something like 64 yards. I mean, you know, he spread it out, but... Michael Gallup and Wilson definitely got the brunt of the throws, um, but they were open. What can I say? Michael Gallup was their big shot play guy. He just put things up to Michael Gallup, and more often than not, Gallup made the sh- made the catch. Put some respect on that guy's name. Um, 
Zeke Elliott, pretty pedestrian, 34 yards rushing, uh, 24 yards catching. He did have a touchdown, so that's good. Uh, but I think it was a short yardage goal line situation rush. So, you know, not like a big play. But Zeke, Zeke played okay. I mean, it wasn't a great game for Zeke, but they were in the game. So I can't really fault them for playing bad or anything. Um, but I think the Russell Wilson with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett especially. Tyler Lockett went uh, nine receptions, 100 yards, and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns, guys. Um I was talking to my dad, and I was saying, you know, oh, man, I don't think, you know, with all the Cowboys' struggles on offense and turnovers, I just don't know if their defense can stop Russ enough because Russ has all these weapons. And he was like, what weapons do they even have? And I'm like, well, DK Metcalf is a huge weapon, and they use him in shot plays all the time, and that dude is huge. So what a freak of nature. That guy is like, he's basically the size of a tight end. And he's got the strength of a tight end, but he plays wide receiver against cornerbacks that aren't necessarily going to have strength like that. He's going to pull a lot of balls away from other people. I mean, he's just, that guy's ripped. Uh, He's also pretty fast, and he's learned how to to run routes. So good for him. He looks like he's a great pickup now. Because everyone said, he's not a good route runner. He'll never be able to be good. He's good. He proved you wrong. He's simple as that. And then Tyler Lockett, I was like, Tyler Lockett's a bigger weapon than you think. And he's like, really? Tyler Lockett goes and explodes for 100 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, Dad, if you're listening, hello. Sorry to, sorry to, uh, to expose your bad take, but uh, I think I'm, I'm feeling good about my take that Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and uh, some of the other receivers he's got on that team are legitimate weapons. And because they're legitimate weapons, I need to go figure out who they are. <laughs> I, I, it's definitely just a lack of, um, a lack of knowledge of the names. I just can't remember names. I mean, it's not really, I know that they have big, uh, threats on this, on this wide receiving squad. Yeah, they got Jacob Hollister. He used to be, a. he didn't actually catch a lot of passes, but he did have a touchdown, a one-yard touchdown. Um, he used to be a, a, a Patriot, so I, I know him from the days when he was trying to make the roster over in New England. Um... You know, DK Metcalf, Freddie Swain, they're big on over there. He's the rookie wide receiver. I think he's going to grow more into his role, but right now he's not really doing it. They also got Greg Olson, which I know he's like a million years old, but hey, man, 61 yards on five receptions. You know, he's still got something in the tank. I think uh, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's averaging like five passing touchdowns a game. You know, he's obviously got people to throw to. They wouldn't, if they weren't open, if they couldn't get open, then he wouldn't be throwing five touchdown passes a game. He'd be a wizard. So I think I, I'm feeling pretty good about my take. We're going to move on so I don't just go over an hour blatantly without even getting to the last couple games. Um, New Orleans got packed on uh, Sunday night. Uh, the Green Bay Cheeseheads really came out uh, flying. I mean, this game was really exciting, though. I like this game on both sides uh, because it was just it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, it was a great game. Superdome, unfortunately, didn't have any fans, but I think that's what made it such a great game because the Packers were able to hear each other. They were able to make the the moves they needed to make. It was a nice game to watch. I can't lie. A.A. Ron Rodgers, uh, he had 21 of 32, 283 yards, three passing touchdowns, zero picks. Very similar to uh, Brady's stat line, if you ask me. Um, but he was, Aaron was putting up shot play after shot play. Uh, and his main receiver he was targeting was Alan Lazard. He stepped up big. Six receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. And the touchdown was on a long shot play, too. Pretty nuts. Uh, Robert Tanyan also stepped up. I don't even know who that is until now. 
Now I do. He's on my radar now. Five receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. Not bad. Not bad for someone I didn't know before this game. And then A.A. Ron Jones, uh, 16 rushes, 69 yards. Nice. Uh, 4.3 yard average. One touchdown. I w- yeah, you know, he didn't have the big rushing game he did last week, but that wasn't the plan. They got a good defensive line over there uh, in New Orleans, so the plan was for Aaron Rodgers to beat them with his arm, and I think they proved that they did that. They, they could do that, and they did, and they did it well. And they won by seven points. Um, the New Orleans <laughs> second-place Saints, that's right. I kind of took issue with how they gloated after uh, beating the Bucks, and they were like, oh, well, it felt like a Buccaneer game. They can't beat us. They're our little brother. Like, I understand, yes, for a long time they have been your little brother, and, like, they haven't threatened at all. But I don't know. I think the trash talk after beating a team that just got a, a bunch of new people, like, injected into them, and they're not really sure how to play because they didn't get any practice time or OTAs, I think that was kind of cheap, you know, like, bragging about that. Like, yeah, you should have beat them week one. You were favored to beat them. Sure, there were a lot of Bucks fans that were stoked that their team's going to be good, and the team is good. I think by the time they played their second game, I think it's week seven or eight, watch out. I think the Saints might be on upset alert. I don't even know if it'll be an upset by then. We'll have to see how the Bucks are playing. But the Bucks are starting to get the rhythm. So taking a little bit of a cheap shot at New Orleans, um, sort of giving a little bit of that uh, trash talk they talked back at them. You know, it's all, it's all in good fun. But I love Drew Brees. Uh, he had a good game, 29-36, 288 yards, three passing touchdowns, no interceptions. He's dispelling uh, he's dispelling the narrative that he's losing it, that his age is taking over, and that he can't throw anymore. Everybody was saying that, and I was so angry. I was like, he's allowed to have a bad game. He's allowed to have two bad games if he wants to. He's Drew Brees. Give him a break. He, he's not done, all right? He's just an older quarterback. He's more used to his routine he has every season that he gets him ready for the for the season start, and he didn't get to go through it. You know, him and Tom Brady both struggled in that game one. Most of the yardage was through penalties. So why don't we just hang on a bit? Drew Brees also was without his number one receiver, Michael Thomas, so that probably hurt. And it was a close game, too, so maybe if Michael Thomas plays, uh, the New Orleans Saints win that game. But... That's not what happened, and they lost the game, so here we are now. Um, Alvin Kamara, though, this guy's ridiculous. He had this great 52-yard touchdown where he just broke like a million tackles. I was watching this game, and I was like, oh, my God, poor tackling. But, you know, I don't want to take away too much from what Alvin Kamara did because that run was pretty spectacular. I don't know how he made it all the way. It definitely looked like he was feeling a little fatigued by the time he got to the goal line. But if you got to break like four or five tackles and you're running 52 yards, that, that that's bound to happen. It's a great, it's actually a receiving touchdown. It was like one of those screen passes, except it wasn't a screen. It was just a check down. Um, but he had 58 yards rushing, and he also had two receiving touchdowns and 139 yards receiving. If you're wondering what that total is, uh, that's going to be 189. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm wrong. That's going to be 197 yards total scrimmage yards. That's really good. He had like 200 scrimmage yards. Emmanuel Sanders had 56 yards and a receiving touchdown. It was good to see him and Drew Brees kind of get this connection going because they've been pretty non-existent, the connection between them. Uh, And then that was kind of nice to see him get a touchdown. Latavius Murray, he rushed for 58 yards. Not much, too much to say there, really. 
the rushing game was not the style of that game. That game was a passing attack kind of game. And I think Aaron Rodgers is just incredible with some of the things he, he can do. He can really just, like, flick the ball with a flick of a wrist, and the ball goes 50 yards. It's nuts. You know, Drew Brees at least acts like he's got to throw it, you know, before he throws it 50 yards. But, you know, it was a well-played game. I think it was very close, but I think the Saints made just one too many mistakes. I think there was a turnover the Saints made. I think it was a fumble. Um, and that was just the one mistake they needed to make. The Green Bay Packers made them pay. They went down, scored a touchdown. They were up 10 points. And then the Saints, they went down, they kicked a field goal. They had to do an onside kick. Their onside kick did not uh, curve the way they wanted it to. It went out of bounds, and that was the end of the game pretty much. They just needed to do a couple kneel downs for Green Bay. So Green Bay starts the season 3-0. Uh, the Saints start the season 1-2. and two. Probably the biggest surprise the Saints being 1-2, and two, but they've played some good teams, so give the teams they've played some credit. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders were very good when they played them, and the Green Bay Packers are one of the premier teams in the NFL. And the Bucks were really good, too. That's a quality win. Even you know, even though it was kind of easy because the Bucks didn't have any rhythm going the entire game, um, give them some credit. The, the Saints are better than the 1-2 and two record they have right now. And I, I think they're going to win close to double digits, if not double digits. So the Saints will be fine. Drew Brees is fine. Uh, so we're going to have to see how they do next week. I'm, I mean, there are no easy games in the NFL. Just going to put that out there. And next week, the Saints are going to be playing... Why can I not find them? The Saints are going to be playing... Are they in a bye week? They, is there a bye week next week? Is that their first bye week? Yeah, it looks like it is. They're going to be on a bye week. That's rough, having that early bye week. Oh, what am I saying? The New Orleans Saints are playing the Lions. I just, I can't read. That's my fault. That's on me. They're playing the Lions in Detroit, so we'll have to see. That should be an easier game, but that defense is pretty good. Uh, if they can play as a full team and they play a full 60 again, I think that's going to be a tough game. All right, let's talk about the last game. This one will be pretty quick. It was in the blowout corner. This one was the Monday night game that just happened tonight. It was um, Patrick Mahomes-led uh, Chiefs against the, uh, the the Blackbirds, the Ravens, the, I don't know, call them whatever you want. They weren't high-flying today. Lamar Jackson disappointed. He went 15 of 28 with a career and week low of 97 yards passing. One touchdown passing, though. Uh, nine rushes for 83 yards. He also had a fumble lost in that game. Uh, Mark Ingram, he rushed for 30 yards on seven rushes. J.K. Dobbins, he had 38 yards receiving. And Devin DuVernay was really the breakout candidate. He had 119 yards on kick, on two kick returns. And one of them just happened to be a 93-yard kickoff return touchdown, which kept the game within reason for most of it. Their first touchdown and their, their only touchdown for a while was on a kick return uh, touchdown. <laughs> it's just crazy to think. Lamar Jackson could not do anything against this Chief defense. And it didn't start that way. It started on a really good, like, note. They drove down real easy. They, they you know, they got stuffed on a third down and long, and they kicked a field goal. But I thought that it was a promising drive. I thought they were going to be able to do it the whole game. No, not so. Lamar Jackson did not play well. He even said after the game that the Chiefs are the Ravens' kryptonite. Interesting to say that uh, about another team. But he knows... He knows that they need to play better, especially against big, big things like the big teams like the Chiefs. But this game that I thought was going to be the best game of the week ended up being one of the biggest duds of the week. Patrick Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does: thirty-one out of forty-two passing, 
He had 385 yards, four passing touchdowns, no interceptions. He had four rushes for 26 yards, too. He picked up a first down or two on his feet. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 20 rushes for 64 yards. He had five receptions for 70, if you're wondering. It's a grand total of 134 yards. Pretty good. Uh, Nicole Hardman, 40, uh, sorry, 81 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown came on a big shot play. I think it was like a 50- or 60-yard touchdown. It's pretty nuts. He just... Patrick Mahomes looked like he was about to get sacked, and he just puts up this this bomb, and then nobody's around Michael Hardman, and it just makes you be like, oh, Ravens defense. And I think that's the biggest story of this game is the Ravens defense just didn't come to play. They they had trouble all night guarding receivers, and it wasn't the fact that the receivers beat them outright. I mean, they did beat them at times, but it was more of the fact that they just made stupid mistakes. Like, they, like two players would go and cover one person, and then they would just leave... Kelsey open in the middle of the field happened multiple times. It's like, how do you, how do you do that? You're supposed to have a really great a like Super Bowl level defense. No, they didn't play that way tonight. They played really bad. The defense couldn't stop them. Of course, it doesn't take much. You know, you give Patrick Mahomes an inch and he'll take a whole hundred yards on you and just throw up a crazy bomb to Tyreek and Tyreek will score. By the way, Tyreek did have a touchdown in this game. He uh, had five receptions for seventy-seven yards. I feel like it's almost like they get him his touchdown, and they're like, cool, all right, we got you your obligatory touchdown, now let's give everybody else one. It's very, very odd. I don't know why I get that feeling, but I kind of get that feeling. Uh, the game was a blowout. The Ravens, I thought, were the number one, two, number two team in the league. It, after that performance, they're going to have to prove to me they're the number one, number two team. At the moment, in the AFC, the number two team in my mind, likely the New England Patriots in the AFC. I just don't see anybody else who does as good of a job preparing, who does as good of a job of taking away your number one weapon and making you win in different weird ways. And I don't see another team that is more consistent than the Patriots. The Patriots have played three very consistent games. They played very well in all three of them. And even though they lost one of them, there was a lot more positives than negatives from that loss. It was a little bit, it was a bummer that someone had to lose that Seahawks game uh, where the Patriots played the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. That was a great game. So I think they're the number number two team again. Nothing has changed. Uh, interesting enough how Bill Belichick can just reload with another quarterback and have eight of his players opt out, and they're still the number two team in, in the AFC. Insane. And for any Bills fans who are angry at me for that, be angry at your own team. They need to play a full game before I say they're the number two team. We'll see what happens when they meet the Patriots. They meet them in the middle of the season. We'll see. Maybe they get their problems fig- figured out. Who knows? Maybe Cam gets his problems figured out, and they look like a real uh, a real contender. However, this is interesting because I had the number one, number two teams going up against each other this week, and guess what? Now my new rankings with the Patriots as number two in the AFC, the number one and number two teams are going up against each other again next week. The Patriots are in KC. Uh, it's going to be a one twenty five start. Um, it's too bad I'm not going to be able to watch it. I'm going to tape the game. And I'm probably going to watch the game even if the Patriots get blown out because I need to do it for the podcast. I want to know, are the Chiefs just going to destroy everybody this year? Are they going 16-0? Because they look like they can do it. This offense is unstoppable. It really looks like they score at will sometimes. Like, when they don't score, it's because they don't think they need to. I really get the feeling that, like, they can just score at will whenever they want. They're like, oh, you're coming back. You're within seven points. Let me just... Let me just orchestrate a really easy drive. You'll get us to third down four times, but you'll never have any real chance at stopping us. Doesn't matter. Third and ten, third and six, third and four, third and two. We'll make anything you give it us. And we just want to destroy you. We want to break your back. 
We want to destroy your hope. We just want to demoralize you. That's what their offense is really like. Watching it is almost demoralizing for me because I like it when there's a lot of like competition. And really right now it feels like there's the Chiefs and then 100 feet below them are everybody else. And just imagine how far below the Jets are from the Chiefs. I mean, you know. And the Jets will be playing the Chiefs this year, so we'll have to see how big of a blowout that is. But that's not next week. All right, that's going to finish my NFL Week 3 wrap-up. Um, I do want to do a quick overview of the other sports. I'm at an hour right now, so I'm aiming for maybe an hour and 10, hour and 15. I don't think it's going to take me too long to go through. But we have a Stanley Cup champion, guys. For the NHL, the NHL sadly ended uh, on Monday night, tonight, uh, Monday the 28th. Um, I say sadly because I really like watching playoff hockey, but um, this was the second-to-last possible game that they could have played in the Stanley Cup Finals, Game 6. And the Tampa Bay Lightning did, in fact, win the Stanley Cup after a Game 6 domination of the Stars. It wasn't even close. I was watching this game, too. I had a cool setup. I was watching Monday Night Football on my, lap, um, on my uh, computer setup, um, which is actually a fairly big monitor that does, I think, 4K resolution. Um, and then I've got, I don't actually know if it is 4K. I'm not trying to brag. I just, I'm trying to say it's, it's a good enough screen to watch football on. And then I got my TV and I was watching hockey on the TV. Um, because I really like the hockey announcers that do the, the thing. I think they're really quality. I, I really like them. So I, I like to listen to those instead of the Monday night football crew. Sorry, ESPN. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Tampa Bay lightning destroyed them. The first period, it was all Tampa Bay lightning pretty much. Uh, their speed and skill was on full display. They, they were playing like a team that was pissed off they had to play another game. They uh, they probably felt like they should have won game two. And I think when they lost game... Or, sorry, game two. They think they should have won game um, uh, game five. And I think they just came out pissed off that they had to play another game. Like, I can't believe you got a crazy, like, weird rebound goal on, you know, in, in double overtime in a game that we dominated. So they just came out and said, fine, we're going to dominate you again, and this time we're not going to, you know, take our foot off your neck. And even when there was desperation time, for like the last eight minutes, it was desperation time. And honestly, it was mesmerizing. I found myself watching the hockey and just being mesmerized at how good the Lightning were. And then even when the Stars took their eight minutes of like, we're going to be in the zone constantly because we really need a goal, we're down two zip at the end of the game. They couldn't get anything going. Like, they put shots up, and they had good chances, but Andre Vasilevsky was just unbelievable. This guy, this guy blocked a ton of shots right at the end. Um, and it was kind of nuts to see because it was just great hockey. It was just amazing. The dude was standing on his head. Um, and and I, I was so mesmerized that it was at one point that I was like, how are the Dallas Stars keeping the puck in the, in the zone for so long? And I looked up. And then I saw that they had an empty goal, and there's only one minute left. And they probably had an empty goal for at least a minute more than that. And I, I, I missed it. I was, I was shocked. I was like, wow, I can't believe it's only a minute left. They, they're, gonna, they're probably going to do it. And, you know, I was sort of counting the shots, and they started getting shots, but it didn't feel like anything was going in. And at one point, I'm like, this is desperation. If they don't get a shot now, they're going to lose. I looked at the clock, 13 seconds. I laughed at myself. I said, they've already lost. And right then... They, they tried to shoot, shot blocked, knocked out of the zone. Um, one of the Lightning players followed it down and almost made a, uh, a contested backhand shot into the goal, but they missed. But then after that, that was all it took. Once it was down there on uh, the star side, there was three seconds left, and the player who was down there, I think it was uh, Tyler Johnson, he already was throwing his gloves off. His stick was in the air. It didn't matter. 
I mean, there was no way they were going to do a, a goal in three seconds and then be able to go to, like, a face-off at center ice and then win it and then score in less than three seconds. There's no way. So at that point, the game was over. And the Tampa Bay Lightning deserved this, I have to say. The Dallas Stars fought their butts off. That I can say for sure. They really... They really fought valiantly. They pushed the series to six games. They won a marathon in game five. You know, they played really physical and tough. There was a lot of hits going on across this series. You know, their star uh, players, especially the veteran star players like Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski played great. Joe Pavelski had like 16 goals in this in, in the, the postseason, or in, I think it was in the postseason. I mean, it's sad that they had to lose, honestly, because they were a good team. They really were. They were kind of like a star-studded team, interestingly enough. Pun intended. The Dallas Star Studs. But they, unfortunately, just couldn't match the star studs that were on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are just so fast. They're fast, and they're really good with passing. And sometimes it just feels like, how are you supposed to stop that? Like, he just passed throughout the whole ice. He somehow had vision to pass through the whole, the whole set of ice to get it to somebody who passes right back to someone in the middle who sets up for a shot and they just uh, it's amazing it's amazing the, they really deserved it um and i'm i'm you know i'm happy for the lightning that they won i'm obviously you know unfortunately for stars fans like i'm, I'm so sorry you had to lose that series because uh, you had a really good team and there's nothing to be ashamed of for what happened you you played real hard you fought valiantly and in my in my opinion, you made Dallas proud. I mean, that's that was a hard fought battle. That was like the Alamo, you know. The Texans fought hard, but eventually they lost the Alamo, and everybody in it died. And I know that's a really macabre, like thing to liken it to, but the stars really went down like the Battle of Alamo, you know. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Dallas Stars of twenty twenty, guys. They were really good. They really were really good. Don't. Yes, they lost to a amazing team, but this is like two titans going up against each other. The one who loses is it's not by very much. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's go to the NBA real quick. Uh, the Lakers and Miami Heat are in the finals. The finals are set up. The Heat downed the Celtics in six games. The Celtics put up an incredible fight in the second half of Game Five to extend it to a Game Six. However, in Game Six, they were up late in the fourth quarter with about eight minutes left. And from the eight-minute mark to, like, the three-minute mark, they were not able to get a single point, and they ended up losing by double digits. I think it was 12 points at the end. And, um, you know, the more consistent team throughout the series won. What can I say? The Heat played well. I'm excited for the Heat to be back in the finals. Uh, Tyler Hero is one of my new favorite players. I love that guy. I think he's awesome. I can't wait to see what he's going to do in a final setting. It's probably not going to be too much different from the Eastern Conference Finals because they're all playing it in the same place. But, you know, it's a big stage. You know, it might be able to get to him mentally, but I honestly don't think so. Uh, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, he's up in the finals. We'll have to see how they play. Um, the Heat have a lot of players that can kill you. You know, um, Robinson with his with his three point shooting. Uh, Bam Adebayo can beat you in the middle. Tyler Hero can beat you just about anywhere. Uh, Jimmy Butler can beat you just about anywhere. So it's it's going to be interesting how the Lakers play him because the Lakers, the main thing of why I think they've gotten to the NBA Finals so far and why they were able to down the Nuggets in five is their defense. The the Lakers' defense is insane because I don't consider the NBA a super, like, defensive league. It's definitely based around scoring, and, you know, it's hard to play defense in the NBA because of all the foul calls. It's hard to watch an NBA game because of all the foul calls. But, you know, uh, 
they play great defense. What can I say? I, I think that's why they've made it so far. Yeah, their offense is good, but their offense stalls from time to time, and it's really their defense that keeps them like in the game. So I, I watched uh, one of the games. It was game two where um, Anthony Davis made a, a last-second three to win the game against the Nuggets. They were up in that game, I think, by like 16 points, and it just started dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And their defense luckily extended that dwindle where their offense just could not get anything going until the fourth quarter. So then it gave them a chance in the fourth quarter. You know, they were up four, and then, you know, they were up three, and then up two, and then up one, and then down one, and then, you know, AD hit the shot. But I think that that D is going to be a big question. Can they stop all the weapons of Miami? I don't know, but I think I think they may be able to. But I, I think this is going to be a really close series, actually. I don't think it's going to be, like, an easy series for the Lakers. I'd be stunned if it was. I'd be shocked. I think it's going to be like a six or seven game series. I think my pick to win it all is still the Lakers. But I, I definitely think the Heat have a really good chance. I would say if I had to pick percentage-wise, I think the Lakers have a 55% chance to win. That's it. I think I think the Heat have a 45% chance because they're just one of those teams that's gritty. They do what they need to do to win, and they get the job done, whether Tyler Hero is scoring 37 or whether Bam Adebayo is scoring 30-something like he did in the last game. It's pretty nuts. So that will be a fun series. We'll have to watch. I think game one is Wednesday. Let's see. When is game one for that? Uh, NBA. Game one is Wednesday, 6 p.m. So that will be a fun game to watch. You can watch that and then maybe keep track of your favorite team from baseball because that's when the baseball playoffs are happening too. I've got my little uh, bracket here, so we're going to end by just talking about the matchups real quick. Nothing too in-depth or anything. We're going to start with the AL. The number one seed is the Tampa Bay Rays. They play the number eight seed, which happens to be the Toronto Blue Jays. So a little uh, division rivalry right here. I think that Rays are going to be able to get through this divi- uh, through this first round. I think they'll win at least two games against Toronto. But that's something to look at. It's only a three-game series, so anybody can fall out. I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion. Anybody can beat anybody. Toronto could beat the Rays in a three-game series. If they just win two games, that's it. Then they go on to the ALDS, which is a five-game series. Um, number two, Oakland Athletics. I guess I'm not really doing it very bracketly like, but I'm just going to go down in order of like strength. Number two is Oakland Athletics. They're playing the Chicago White Sox. That's going to be a really good series to watch. I think if you're looking for a series to watch in the AL, this is probably the best one. Um, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't think the Cleveland Indians New York Yankees series is going to be all that good. I think it'll be fun to watch um, Shane Bieber pitch against Garrett Cole. That I think will be fun to watch. Other than that, I think the Yankees are going to be able to go through. They'll at least win two games. They've got too good of an offense not to do it. I'd be shocked if they lost. The Oakland Athletics, Chicago White Sox is a tough one to pick. I'm actually going to say, you know, the Oakland A's are a good team. I don't want to get anybody mad at me for this, but I think the Chicago White Sox are going to pull it off. I think they're going to win two games uh, because they've just got so many power hitters. I think they can change the game at any point in time. So I'm actually going to choose the Chicago White Sox to go through. I think they were so close to getting that three spot from the Twins, but they just barely lost out. Um, and the Minnesota Twins are playing the Houston Astros. I, I'm i hoping the Astros lose. I'm not an Astros fan. The one team that I am not, that I will be, that I will be a hater of is the Astros. I don't care. That's something I can't take out, even for the podcast. I don't like the Astros. I want them to lose. But what do I think is going to happen here? I honestly think the Twins have the have the ability to beat them, but I think there's a good chance. I, I don't know. I think it's like a it's like a 60-40 chance that the Astros get in. I think 
Astros can probably win this series, but it depends on how they hit. If they're hitting the same way they are hitting, they're going to lose. Um, but those are just my picks for the AL. Now we'll go to the NL. Uh, number one seed Dodgers, the best record in the MLB too. Uh, they're playing the Brewers. I think the Brewers are good, but I think they're so inconsistent and kind of like streaky that I just feel like the Dodgers, they have a pretty strong bullpen, the Dodgers. And I just feel like the hitters are going to be able to get at the starting pitchers a little bit easier than in past years. And especially if they can get to the bullpen, I just don't know if the bullpen can shut down the Dodgers. You know, there's, I, I've watched a lot of Dodger coverage. Um, and there's a lot of people who say like, you know, the games are just too long against the Dodgers. Eventually they're going to get some runs. And I like that. I feel it's like the same way with the Padres too, but we'll get to the Padres in a bit. Um, I think the Dodgers get through. I'm not sure if it's a two-game sweep, but the, I think they win two out of three against the Brewers. Uh, number two, Atlanta Braves. They The Atlanta Braves are hitting tons of home runs and getting tons of runs, and Freddie Freeman's hitting like 360. It's unbelievable. They look like a really hot team, and they're playing the Cincinnati Reds. I don't know if the Reds have enough power um, or pitching to get through a three-game series. I really like Trevor Bauer, and I hope he does well, and I hope they win the game that Trevor Bauer starts. I just don't know if they can win the other two. So I think I'm going to pick uh, Atlanta Braves in this first series. Um, as much as I would like for a Cinderella story, like the Reds, I just don't I just don't know. I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off against the Braves. The Braves are a really good team. Um, the number three seed, Chicago Cubs, they're playing the Marlins. Uh, the Miami Marlins squeaked in as a, uh, as a wild card team. Or no, no, sorry. They were second in their division. That's how they got in. They're not a wild card. Wild cards are number eight and number seven. Um, the Marlins, I don't know much about this season. I know that they played well enough to be the second in their division, but I don't know if that's really saying much. Um, I mean, their division's not that great, if I can if I can be honest with you. Who's the leader in their division? I think it's the... It's got to be the Chicago Cubs, I think. I don't know. Or, no, no, no. The leader in their division is the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That was a dumb mistake. <laughs> Chicago Cubs. I don't know. I think the Chicago Cubs move through. I think they win two out of three against the Marlins, even though the Marlins are kind of one of those weird success stories where no one you don't know anybody on the team, but they're still pretty good. So it would be cool if they were able to make it past the first round, but I, I think the Cubs are going to be able to lock that one up. They've got you Darvish pitching like a man possessed right now so i think he wins one game for them and then all they gotta do is win a second one i think it's fairly easy uh the padres are playing the cardinals i think the padres take this i honestly think the padres have been the best team uh in the nl that's not named the dodgers they've been really good what a crazy story and they traded for so much depth and so many good players at the trade deadline i you gotta think they're at least gonna get past the first the first round. I mean, I want to see Los Angeles Dodgers versus San Diego Padres. What a great NLDS that would be. A divisional matchup in the divisional series. I would love it. And whoever comes out of that, I think, is the NL favorite for going to the World Series. But I'm hoping, I'm, I'm saying Padres in three, Dodgers in three, and the NLDS is going to be very fun then. A f you know, it's a best of five. And whoever comes out of that, I think, you know, that goes to the NLCS, I think has the best chance at winning a World Series for the NL. And then for the AL, I think I think Rays and Yankees will be a fun matchup. And I think the Rays can beat the Yankees. I don't think that the Yankees just sweep them. Um, so we'll have to see about that and how that goes. But I think whoever wins that one between the Rays and the Yankees is probably going to have the best chance for the AL of winning the World Series. Otherwise, maybe if the Oakland Athletics or White Sox can go and get hot, 
then they might have a chance at winning the World Series too. I think they might need to wait till next year, though, and get a little bit of experience under their belt because they are a very young team. But it will be fun. I'll keep you updated with all the action that goes on in the MLB, the NBA, the NHL's over, so I won't be talking about them anymore. And, of course, I will keep you up to date on the NFL. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Dez Dez Sports Podcast. I have been Dez. I am still Dez, and I will be Dez later. But for these podcast purposes, I uh, have been Dez. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I do want to urge you again. I did this last time for the first time, and I think it's worthwhile to do it every time. Um, If you liked what I said, if you liked my commentary, if you didn't hate my rambling, um, you know, if you liked my dumb jokes and some of the mistakes I made because I'm sorry I didn't remember someone's name or I couldn't remember the score (laughs) correctly, I missed it by two points. I'm so sorry. Um, it will get better. The podcast will get better. I know I have mistakes that I need to work on and I do know that they're there and I do try to work on them week to week. I think this week was one of my better analysis videos where I got to talk about the games more in depth because I got to watch more of them this week. Um, I felt really good about that and I want to continue doing that, um, in the weeks coming forward. Uh, but please, if you liked it at all, if you want to support me, uh, it would mean the world to me. Just do listening means the world to me, but if you'd like to rate it five stars or four stars anything good i please do um i need all the help i can get because i'm not very good at promoting myself um i've got a twitter and i've got uh an instagram and i've also got a facebook page if you want to find me um my facebook page is under desda sports it's at desda sports if you want to search it up my instagram is also it's a des does podcast so des underscore does underscore podcast and I also have a Twitter. My Twitter is at Des Does Podcast, no spaces, and uh, the first D is capital. Um, you'll find it if you do. I don't have any tweets yet. I don't even have like a background image. I just made them. I'm going to start posting on them, though. So if you want to see my first ever post, jump on it right now. And jump on it. Jump on it. Jump on it. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please, it, wherever you're listening this on, don't forget, rate me five stars. Um, you know, go on my Twitter, yell at me, tell me I got everything wrong, and tell me how you think things are going to go. I would love to hear your opinion. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful day, night, afternoon, morning, um, early morning, whatever it is. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, I hope you succeed in whatever you're working towards right now. And I will see you next podcast i think it's going to come out later this week for the week four preview so thank you sports fans for listening i love you guys all and i will see you in a few days this is des signing off from the des des podcast good night i'm I'm ending now i'm bad at ending so i'm just going to end it cold ending right now and finito